Welcome back to Sidetracked. Uh, yeah, we've we've had uh, had our issues getting traction with this show, and uh, trying to trying to make it a weekend weekly thing again, and lots of reasons for that. And it's been tough, man. Um, wanting to get it going, wanting to be back in your face every single week, and this is something that Eric Pruitt even challenged all of us you know but they started the, the pure horsepower news deal uh him and and uh dave fultz and some of the guys down in kentucky and just you know there was all this fire to go at louisville and in the run-up to louisville and then uh then the the, the wheels came off we the, the train derailed man and a big reason is because mr conductor isn't here anymore you know, it's it's been tough. Um, Drew was always the guy who was behind all, not just us here at Sidetrack, but those guys at Pure Horsepower and anywhere, whatever it was, pushing and just saying, damn the consequences, sod it, let's go. And we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out as we go. And uh, he he was such a master at that. And... I haven't had that foot up my ass that I needed to make this go because I just didn't have the self-confidence to make it happen. And I guess on some level still don't. But here we are. We are collectively as a group asking between ourselves and, well, ourselves, sidetracked let's let's boil this down i mean it's down to like i feel like me andy gerbaugh ryan rusink and dusty price are the ones pushing this shit up up the rails um and the guys with with pure horsepower that's it there what else is there anymore um we're trying to make this shit go I'm going to double down now. The season's here, and uh, we're going to make something happen. And part of this show tonight is rants, uh, stuff that I've been storing up, stuff that I've seen recently and, and want to talk about. But also, it's a – we've said it before on the show, man. This is the launch point. Okay, we're going to kick this off, and we're going to get back to being a show. And it hasn't happened. There hasn't been that – gravity to make it happen i'm appealing to you i'm appealing to you the listener i know we lost our listener base because we weren't doing regular shows keep the fire under my ass please if you're not texting me calling me dming me reaching out to me facebook what i don't care how you do it keep that fire under my ass please because i don't know I don't know how to do it on my own. I, I I did the announcing thing for a long time prior to Drew, but to keep this shit rolling, and I, I want to, the creative fire is always there, but the motivation isn't isn't always. Um, there's been a lot of lot of lot of soul searching that's had to go on, and uh, I, I'd be remiss in saying Tanya has been such a huge part of what sidetracked has been and continues to be too 
Um, and right now, many of you know, she is, she's, she's stationed down in Texas for a couple of months. So I'm literally running this place up here and holding down the homestead on my own and, you know, everything with the kids, pets, running the property, all of it. It's, I don't, I literally have no, well, it's not that I don't have no help, but it all falls on me. And, uh, hey, look, Mabel's down here right now, which, uh, Drew had a hand in naming, naming her even. Um, when we picked her up down at Louisville back in February, but, uh, anyway, it's down, it's down to me and it's a, it's a solo show. So for, for the next couple of months, so I'm not making excuses. I'm just trying to tell you what's going on. I want to be upfront with you. I want you to know where we're at and, uh, we're going to, we're going to do this thing. I haven't given up. I haven't quit. I don't want to quit. This sport has been a part of my life since I was two and a half years old. And you've heard the story from me before on air. And uh, I think about it, not just pulling, but motorsports in general and sidetracked and, and what all this means. I think about it hourly, darn near. And we're going to expand into some some other areas too. Some new stuff that's coming down the pipe. And we, we'll talk about that when it happens. Dusty's launched his own a uh, podcast uh, that's that's gonna go, and uh, we're gonna support that. And you know, it's just it's just a thing. So th- you know, thank you guys for for hanging in there. Those of you who are left, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm gonna try to give you give you some some red meat to digest. It's been tough. Um, my season started for me what is now two and a half weeks ago, we went to ultimate call it challenge and there's plenty Andy particularly for whom that is not his bread and butter. Diesel trucks, just not his thing. And and it's cool. And Drew used to tease the shit out of him about it. And I still do too, but, um, funny. He, he hates diesel pickups, but he loves him some semi racing. And we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we went down there and that was tough. Um, there were, plenty within that industry who 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 knew knew Drew knew us with our involvement with UCC and, and our promoting of that deal but didn't really necessarily know what had happened or that he was even gone really and uh that was that was a challenge and then uh with what uh the, the struggle that Tony Burkard went through our our prime guy behind this program, Dirty Hooker Diesel, what, what happened there, you, everybody knows the story by now. And that was, it was an emotional gut punch for everybody. Uh, the Burkhardt family and, and their team and everybody around them for all the work that had gone into last minute hooker, um, I, you know, my son and I had gone out there for a weekend. We worked on it for, for a couple of days and I can't, we, we didn't look, I'm going to minimize this. We didn't do shit. We worked on the rear sub assembly for the, the pulling setup, uh, the axle mounts. Yes, it was, yes, it needed to happen, but I mean, all of it needed to happen. That doesn't make it special. And we didn't really 
do all that much. My son learned a hell of a lot. He got a chance to run a Bridgeport for the first time. He got to see some welding for the first time, how to do metalworking and some of these things he'd not, he'd never been exposed to before, which was awesome. And he absorbed it and he dove in with both hands and wanted to learn and, um, and tried and, and did a, did what he was supposed to do and did it right. And that was cool. And uh, Tony was very receptive to that and accommodating and, and was a great teacher, frankly, to Christian. And I'm grateful for that. That was cool. But to have what happened Saturday night, with, or yeah, it was a Saturday evening on the dyno, just uh, it, was, it was a collective. As an announcer, you're supposed to be impartial. You're not supposed to get involved in it, but come on. You know, it, he backs this program we worked on the truck. We'd been there. He and Kristen have become dear friends of Tony and mine. They're they're part of this. They're part of this sh- shit. And uh, I said it on mic during during the event when the thing freaking blew. Scared mostly for Mark Broviak, who was in it, and and Cody and Elmer, who were on the dyno. And to see all that hard work just go up and smoke, it was tough. It was hard. It's hard to watch that. And it was to see an engine run away like that, scary shit, because you don't know where, you don't know if a strap's going to break, if the thing's going to let loose. How bad, is it, you know, it's bad, but how bad is it going to get? And, you know, after, you know, did somebody get hit by flying parts? What you know? What's the, what's the end of this? The thing is that had it happened and Drew had been there, he would have run into that shed. A lot of people pounded lumps on those of us watching, and for not necessarily running in to save Mark or running with a fire bottle or running with water, whatever, you know, if you're not there, dude, you, I, you do, you don't know. I'm standing when that run happened, I'm standing next to the truck, probably, you know, at the barrier limit, whatever that is, it's 40 feet away, but I'm in line with the wheel well. And to my right is Tony and Kristen. They're whatever, 20 feet away. If you run in, you're you're in the danger zone. If a thing throws a rod, it's going right through your fucking head. If you you don't you just don't know. If you approach it from the front, if it breaks a strap, it's going over the gooseneck on the the dyno and God knows what to you. If you're behind it, it's kicking out whatever shit is falling under the wheels and the rollers. The only guy with a cool head in the whole deal was Mark Brovia. He was cool as a cucumber, man. He'd, he's been there. He's been through it. He's lived it. He knew what to do. He didn't get out of the truck right away because he was trying to shut the shit down. He didn't want to get out and slip in some oil that he knew was at that point was all over the place and fall into tires and rollers spinning at God knows what speed. And hurt, you know he could have been killed. Yeah, he had a fire suit on, which was... It, he was... Other than sucking smoke... Unless you've seen the videos, other than sucking the smoke and seeing the interview with him, sucking the smoke, he he was fine. Yeah, he was excited, of course. The adrenaline was pumping, 100%. But he wasn't in danger other than sucking smoke. And he was trying to shut the truck down. 
so he could get out safely on his own terms. So here's this crushing blow to the team. And yeah, you, you know, you, it's not just, yes, Tony sponsors our show and, and it, it's a big piece of, of UCC to be there with him and, and have that. That's, it's awesome. But it would be any competitor. We get, we, we get to know these people. We get to know their teams. We know who's behind it. And to have a horror like that happen, and it wasn't just them. Josh Scruggs, he bought the firepunk truck. He he had the the explosion of the weekend, honestly. What happened with dirty with last minute hooker was spectacular, yes. But Scruggs grenaded a motor. I mean, that thing was junk on the dyno. Absolutely blew the hell out of it. Took him out for the rest of the weekend. He didn't even get to go pulling. That was a blow up of the weekend. Not not what happened to Tony. And in a way, Josh and, and Bob Milliken are probably the only two people on the planet grateful for what happened last minute because they weren't front page news. But it, you see, you, you're there. You see what goes into this stuff, man. And it kills you to see that happen to anybody because you know what they went through to get there. You know what they're going to go through to try and finish the weekend. And I was so proud of the industry collectively to come out and get behind Last Minute Hooker and turn that truck around and get to go pulling. Just getting that thing out on the track, it was a win. It was. And to finish second, despite it all, that's huge. That's that's something to be proud of. And and finish that way with with problems, which actually Tony said kind of helped him in a way. The the belt broke that drives the secondary CP3. So the truck actually defueled on him. But he said when that happened, he was already blowing the tires off. So when it defueled, it lost enough power to actually hook up and the truck accelerated. So everything happens for a reason. Everything. Uh, the team today released uh, one hot hooker T-shirts to commemorate what took place at UCC. I, I, I bought mine. I got a got one for Tanya, got one for Christian, got one for Tanya's sister, and uh, that's that's cool. That's gonna be a limited edition, I hope, and I hope they. I know they're gonna sell out of those quick, very quick. Uh, go to DirtyHookerDiesel.com and try to score yours if there's any left. So that was um, that was the first weekend. Oh, I'll get to that in a minute. That was the first weekend uh, back on tour. This past weekend, went back up to Onaway Speedway and Mike Sturgill and a cast of thousands. Man, I don't want I don't want to name names because I'm gonna forget somebody and I don't want to be left out and that would be awful. But man, uphill Quebec style semi racing this year was a a turning point year for them. Last year was kind of like, let's see if this happens. This year, the competition showed up and the iron that turned out for this deal, fantastic. And you cannot see 
this kind of racing anywhere outside of Quebec or Ontario. And really, really, it is the, the French Canadians that drive this form of motorsport. They, it's unreal what they make semis do. And it's so, the power's amazing. It's so loud, too. We get used to being able to handle diesel motorsports without earplugs around the pulling track. My God, a semi banging the limiter, running a burnout or staging for a drag race. It's as loud as anything. It will shake the ground underneath you. And just a, an awesome spectacle. The guys that turned out to, to race all first class. And the sportsmanship. Oh, my. We have good sportsmanship in pulling, but those guys exemplify the level of camaraderie and shared experience and shared parts and shared know-how and anything. I don't care what you need. They'll make it happen for you. Awesome guys. And uh, I love you all. And um, gosh, I don't even know where to start with them. They're just such fun to be around. They're, there's a drive by some of the guys behind Rodeo du Camion up in uh, uh, Notre Dame du Nord, uh, up on the Ottawa-Quebec border, way the hell north of here to uh, launch a federation to do this kind of style racing in the United States. And man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I, I'm in, I want to I help. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really cool. I'm going to take a break real quick here and uh, pay some bills and we'll be back in just a second. Dirty Hooker Diesel is your full-size diesel performance specialist in Harbor Beach. We're Michigan's final authority on anything performance and replacement related. Specializing in diesel performance parts and accessories for Duramax, Cummins, and Powerstroke diesel engines. From custom-built transmissions and engines to CP3 pumps and injectors. Check them out at DirtyHookerDiesel.com. Hi, this is Tony Burke, owner of Dirty Hooker Diesel. We are a full-service repair facility that can handle any task from stock to modified, big or small. So give us a call, 989-479-0444. Dirty Hooker Diesel, the final authority on everything performance and replacement. Mama cried and daddy burned When I told him what I learned No stones left in a dirty groove Let it bleed and you got to move Some of us is born to run Out on Highway 61 The classroom owns Nobody gets out of here alive It's live and die rock and roll It ain't something you control Let's try to cast a heart and how our soul It's live and die rock and roll
Don't the emotional shit into some other stuff. And uh, this is from the wider world of uh, racing, most of this. <clears throat> not not necessarily pulling specific because we're kind of in that dead zone. We're in that time where everybody's building and getting ready for the season. And NTPA is going to kick off here in a couple of weeks. And um, PPL uh, one week away from getting started at Fort Recovery, Ohio. And that's that's cool. Uh, so, so stuff is... Stuff is coming, but there's other things happening out there that are interesting to us because we have ADD and we like to see what else is kicking. Uh, the world water speed record is notorious for killing everybody who tries to break it. I mean, it is just brutal. Going fast on land is dangerous enough. 
and we've talked at length about the world land speed record and its uh, its pursuit in the the salvation of a British investor to try and keep Bloodhound alive. And uh, there's been with Richard Nobles running things. It was information overload. That website's mostly gone. What is now there is very minimal. We're not hearing. We aren't hearing shit. Um, okay, they were going to relaunch the damn thing. Is it even going to run? No one knows. Really, it's kind of radio silence. But the world water speed record is a particular pursuit of some Australians, and I believe the record currently is held by some Australians. Uh, Peter Warby, I think, is the fellow's name who currently holds it. And there's a team with a jet boat out there trying to break it. And they're, they've gone as fast as the 240s on water. That is insane. Insane. I don't know how fast they want to go. I don't think they care. It's not about ultimate number. It's just about breaking the record. But to just do... And they're not they're not going in the, into this deal with blinders on. It's not a brute force approach. I mean, they are super educated about it. They understand conditions on the water and uh, will not put themselves into any sort of a foolish position where somebody could get hurt. But... Um, my goodness, that is just hauling the mail on water. It really, really is. And you can follow along with them um, if you go on Facebook, Warby Motorsport Spirit 2, the fastest team on water. You can follow their exploits. We shared a video of them earlier this week, and God, man, just the stones on these dudes. Very, very impressive to see what they can accomplish to break the speed record on water. Unbelievable. If you're familiar at all with our previous talks on land speed racing and, and you dive into the the story, particularly of Donald Campbell, who met his fate on Coniston Water in England, trying to break his dad's water speed record. Just it, It's not as, for whatever reason, it's not as glamorous as the land speed record because we all can drive a car. We all understand what a land speed record's all about. We all understand driving fast in a car. There's that thrill you get going down the highway and you punch it above the speed limit, 10, 15, 20 miles an hour, and, and you have that excitement for yourself. Uh, on the water, that's not necessarily so common. We aren't all boat owners. We aren't all in places where you can have boats. And you just don't get the danger of doing it in water. It is, if the interface between road and car is treacherous at 600 plus miles an hour, and I use the term road in a very generic sense because no one is running this sort of speed record on pavement. If that is dangerous, the vagaries of water are just immense unbelievable so my hats off to those guys I, I love what they're doing and i hope they succeed because frontiers need to be broken we are in a modern world bit of social commentary here for a minute we're in a modern world we're so goddamn afraid of everything 
we're so chicken shit, we're so safety conscious, we're so emotionally, environmentally, this, that, the other, got to protect this, that, the other, stop ourselves from, we used to do awesome shit, man. We used to do great things. We used to dare greatly. Haul ass across that water, get yourselves a record, and be fucking awesome. Go down in history. I, I, I love it. Speed racing is one of those last frontiers. If there's anything that could make me, I won't say turn my back on pulling because I'll never turn my back on pulling, but if I'm going to spend my money on something that isn't a puller, and no, I can't, no, I don't possess the sort of wealth to go after a world land speed record, no. But to Pick a category, pick a class, pick a vehicle, pick a whatever, and go to a place like Bonneville or, um, I can't say Wilmington, Ohio anymore because they don't do it there. It's now in Arkansas somewhere. East Coast timing, so whatever it is, and get myself a 200-mile-per-hour hat. Go fast enough in your category. I don't even care what the record. I just want to say I went 200 miles an hour. Man, that, oh, it's, there's such an appeal to that, especially with something you know you built yourself and something that no one said could go that fast. Pick a vehicle. I don't, I don't care what it is. Um, I don't have one off the top of my head where I just go, yeah, that's what I would use to do it. I don't know. I don't know. Mm, something. But it'd be awesome. Speaking of speed, Indianapolis, the Indy 500 is coming up this coming weekend. And it's been a typically drama-filled run-ups to the 500 itself. The shame of it is, really, is that there's been so much change over history, over time. Well, not even over time, over recent time about how things progress during the during the month running up to the 500 and i'm a traditionalist i respect what happened before and i think it should stay that way there's there's nothing quite like the spectacle of pull weekend in indy when it comes to qualifying for any event or carburation day that's been lost, and, and that's a damn shame. It could come back if the right people are involved. But of particular note for this year's Indy 500 was the participation of Fernando Alonso and the McLaren team. What a cluster fuck. Oh, my. How? McLaren is one of the most respected names in racing. They founder Bruce McLaren literally came from nowhere in New Zealand to run the world, man. Winner at Indy, winner in Formula One, winner in KM, de- designed and built these cars that would just conquer everybody. He himself, as a man, was killed in a testing accident of his KM car at Goodwood Speedway in the far south of England. And I, 
I believe that was 69, 68 or 69. Shook the racing world big time. But the team continued on and continued to thrive, succeed, and win Can-Am titles, win races in Indy, win races in Formula One under the direction of uh, Teddy Mayer. In the late 1970s, the the team hit some financial troubles and uh, they, they were bought out by Ron Dennis and continued to succeed in the Formula One realm. Actually, became one of, if not the winningest team for a time. And actually, they are holders of the, even today, I believe, they, they hold the, the highest winning percentage in a single season in Formula One. To this day, McLaren is, is a fantastic team. And Fernando Alonso is held in such high regard as a racer's racers. Yeah, he, he's, he's a f- driven, commi- he's not pure speed. He's not Lewis Hamilton or an Ayrton Senna. No one would say that he is. But what they would say is that he's a ferocious competitor. He's the kind of guy who you you throw him out there in a car, he's going to get every last millisecond he can out of that race car, and he will never quit. He will race that thing into the into the trees to try and try and do well with it. And McLaren themselves as a team proceeded to do what they have been most known for in the last seven or eight years and cocked everything up big time. They were going to test the car at Texas Motor Speedway uh, about a month ago, and a week prior to that, they didn't even have the high-tech steering wheel needed to run the car. you gotta, you got to have this thing to steer it, of course. They didn't even have it. And principal of the organization... Well, on the indie side, anyway, Zach Brown is rummaging around to find a steering wheel so Fernando could even drive the goddamn car. Are you kidding? They went into last chance qualifying at Indy, where they had they had they had they had to go fast. They they had to get to at least thirty third fastest and get into the field. And they miscalculated. They failed to translate a metric to English conversion for gear ratios. And for his last effort, before time ran out, they threw him out there on the track in a 227-mile-an-hour gear when they were supposed to be in a 229-mile-per-hour gear. What a joke. What a joke. McLaren? Are you kidding? These guys are supposed to be the creme de la creme. And they can't even get out of their own damn way to put one of the greatest modern open-wheel racers in the field, let alone in contention. The guy's won Monaco. He's been an F1 world champion. He's won the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And can't even qualify... Two years ago, he came to Indy with, uh, in a partnership deal with Andretti Motorsport, Andretti Autosport, whatever they call the team. Did very well. Very well. Proved himself. So Fernando's not the problem. McLaren, you guys have your head squarely up your ass.
and you need to fix it. Next thing on the rant scale, we're, I'm on a NASCAR. I used to be a massive NASCAR fan, and I'm still quite knowledgeable on NASCAR trivia circa 1950 up through about 1999. I started to lose the plot after about 2000. In the wake of the passing of Dale Earnhardt, it really changed for me. I Yeah, I did follow. I was a fan through the big-time network area era of the early two early aughts. And um, I stopped giving a I, – the change to the chase hurt, hurt my enthusiasm for it, and I really started to lose my – fandom, my passion, I don't care what you call for it. I get I could give a shit about NASCAR. I haven't watched a full race in probably close to five years. And I happened to see highlights this past weekend of the punch out between Clint Boyer and Ryan Newman at the All Star race and okay, fine. I, you know, I, it sucked me in for a millisecond. And then I found a highlight reel of the all-star race itself. And I started looking at the track and I see the goddamn track worked in at Charlotte motor speedway. One of the raciest places NASCAR ever went to there's rubber starting one lane up off the white stripe and all the way to the wall only in the turns. And as soon as you come off the turn, it stops. What the, what is this? Why, why does it look like that? So I got on Google and I started doing some homework and NASCAR is now doing track prep a la NHRA. All right, fine. NHRA, it's, it's been a thing from day one. It's organic. It's built in. I don't have a problem with it. Rubber it, the track, rubber the quarter mile in, glue the shit out of it. I don't care. Run them damn things as hard, as fast as you can. I want to see some amazing shit because it's only a quarter mile. I want to see how much power you can throw at it. It's been built in. NASCAR, that's not the case. Some of the most revered tracks, the most revered races in history are some of the most abrasive places, the the Darlingtons, if you will, where... You don't have track prep. You are, you are required to wear the place in starting on Friday morning with practice. And oh, let, let, brief aside, permit me. They went to this goofy ass, stupid shit. Race your way in heat format. Crap ass qualifying. That's gone. They're finally back to real qualifying. Two laps, one at a time. That's how NASCAR, that's how oval racing works. Go fast, two laps, period. Okay, thank you. Next. This track prep bullshit. I'm sorry, man. You, you, you done screwed up again. Credit where credit's due. The Mustang, the Fords still don't quite look like a Ford. It doesn't look like a Mustang. But the Camaros do. And the Camrys do. 
you finally got some cars out on the speedway that aren't ugly. Can't been able to say that in 15, well, maybe not. That's, that's, that's direction. 12 years. But Jesus Christ. Knock it off with a, you know, stop with a track prep. Wear the place in. You, you ground Bristol and did that progressive banking crap and ruined that place. You're doing this goofy-ass track prep BS. Get together with Goodyear. Make a tire that'll... Make a tire that won't work. Don't make a tire that'll work. Make a tire that won't work. So we can have real damn racing again. And, and, and it, Jesus, give the car some horsepower again. They're so neutered anymore that in the all-star race, I'm watching them bump draft each other around 1.5 mile track. What? Are you kidding? This isn't NASCAR anymore. I don't know what this is. This is a sideshow. This is spec racer crap. Give them some horsepower. Burn them tires off. Make them go fast. Take the air off the car. Take those giant ass spoilers off. The stupid splitter on the front bumper. Get some air into the car. Oh, well, we could get air into the car and they're going to fly. They're going to crash and they're going to... They're gonna... Shut up. If you make them by rule handle like shit, they won't be able to go fast enough to fly. And the driver actually matters again. We can go back there. That That is on the table. It is possible to do that. If you want me back as a NASCAR fan, that's what you've got to do. And... To be fair in my and consistent in my criticism, IndyCar, you have a similar problem. You're fast enough. You allow the power. You allow tires to suck. You allow tracks to be challenging. But you don't allow cars to be different. You're still a spec racer series, and you need to change that as well. Formula One, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go global with this argument, Formula One, you also need to let more power back into the race cars. You're you're kind of splitting the difference between IndyCar and NASCAR, but you need to allow more power into the cars and you need to take air off of them. You need to you, you there was a change for this year to simplify front wings, but you didn't simplify them enough. You need to simplify them more. And you really need to watch because every car follows aerodynamic principles and they've got the budgets in that form of racing to maximize some of this bullshit where every car winds up looking the same. I've never been a fan of taking away taste testing from racing, but maybe that's one form where you, yeah, you know, that isn't going to work because they can still do CFD. And you can't legislate that out. You cannot legislate out computational fluid dynamics testing in simulators. You just you just can't. There's no way to police it. There's no way to stop it from doing it. So that one's tougher. I got to think on that some more. That still has a solution out there. I just didn't get there tonight. Anyhow, we're going to try and make this show go... Um, really, I want to, I want to make it important. I want to be that voice again. 
it's what it's what I want. It's what Drew would want. And uh, we, we really need to get back there. Um, a lot of changes have happened, of course, in the wake of his passing. And I'm, I miss him every day. Um, I, I love you, brother. This is tough. I, I miss you. And, uh, but we're going to, we're going to do this. And to the other guys out there, Carl, Nate, Andy, Ryan, Dusty, Eric, Dave, James, all of you guys. I'm, I'm probably, I'm, I, I broke my rule. I, I said names and I probably missed somebody. Um, Tanya, the love of my life. I, none of this happens without you. And happy birthday yesterday. Sucks I couldn't. You're so far away for your birthday. That, that was horrible. Anyhow. Steph, little rule. We're thinking about you. Um, to the Armstead family, all, all of you. Uh, I love you guys. And I know I've been kind of distant because I've been sorting some shit out in my own head. I'm here for you. We'll make this go. This thing isn't over. And uh, we'll continue, okay? So, this weekend, what's coming up? Uh, Memorial Day weekend, weather permitting, if it ever stops raining. Which is not a given at this point. I am going to be at the Buckeye Shootout in Wapakoneta, Ohio on Saturday, Memorial Day weekend, for a, a, a elimination-style antique pull put on by Ohio State Antique Tractor Pullers Association. They're involved with this deal, and it's going to be 5,500 Division Two top cut and a 5,500-pound Division Three limited to 50 entries each class, and it's a, a single elimination-style you know, draw a shootout. And, uh, th- that's going to be cool. Th- th- this was pioneered by an event down in Tennessee last fall and, and wildly successful. Everybody loved it. I think it's cool. I'm, I'm pumped. I hope it, the weather's going to cooperate and we get to be there. And, uh, next week we'll bring you our feedback from that deal. Uh, my kids are going to be in attendance with me and I'm going to turn them loose with the camera and, let them be the photographer for sidetracked and whoever else. Excuse me. Beer. Next week, uh, next week, the following week, it's the season opener for the Thumb Tractor Pulling Association. We're going to be there for them. And also uh, some garden tractor and mini rod action in the days to come at PEC next weekend. We'll talk about that next week on this show. Hold me accountable. Keep a fire under my ass to get down here and do this for you next week. Okay. Till then, this is sidetracked. I'm Charles. Peace out. See ya. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo.